Yes, I did. So I packed it up and brought it back to the crib. Just a little something, show you how we live. Everybody want it, but it ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. That's that shit. So if you gon' do it, do it just like this. DFS MVP, week nine, it's 4for4.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. I'm holding Kushner before we get started. Man, I, 2000, I, graduation from Kanye West. I mean, this, this is an old, old, old song. Yeah, man. I, in honor of, of Kanye dropping a new album this week, I uh, figured I would, I would throw an old Kanye champion from Kanye West 2007, Graduation. Uh, another great song you'll find on the DFS MVP intro playlist on Spotify. If you like that intro as well as all of the other intros to the podcast, you can just search DFS MVP on Spotify or look for me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'm always tweeting out the link to the playlist before we get into everything if you're into sports betting with nfl weekly selections from nfl sharp james salinas are the most successful super contest winner of all time visit sharp angle sports and start winning today and if you like dfs make sure you're playing on fantasy draft the only rake-free daily fantasy site and this week they have a three hundred thousand dollar guaranteed rake-free contest the hooters main event the largest and the only rake-free contest of its kind only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up now at FantasyDraft.com with promo code 444. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. You'll get a free 7-day trial membership. I mean, you're just rolling on these reads. You're kicking my ass. It's embarrassing at this point. <laughs> uh, here's what we got coming up. The Week 9 Plays, DraftKings FanDuel, our core plays. Also got a Game Theory segment with the Red Zone Expected Value. So we're at the halfway point of season. Just real quick, I want you to touch on that because it's it's really useful information. I remember talking about this last year and it did help me. I, I adjusted a lot of things at the halfway point. Hell, that could have been a uh, game theory segment today, but red zone expected value real quick, what that means and what that can help you with. Yeah, it's basically just a, a metric that I use to uh, break up red zone opportunities. We look at red zone target share, red zone targets and whatnot, but uh, I break it down by yard line because obviously like a, a target from the 19 isn't the t- same as a target from the one. Those are going to have different scoring expectations. So I go through the whole league and see uh, who actually has the, the most valuable looks and then who's underperforming on those looks. So it's just kind of a quick way for us to find some people that have touchdown opportunity that haven't capitalized on it yet. And then obviously, uh, for DFS purposes, what we're hoping is that turns into some low-owned, high-upside plays. Uh, so here's what we got, to A special guest, Pat James from 444.com. He's a big winner, so we'll talk to the big winner here in just a minute. We got a couple of things to let you know. I, I know there's a lot going on here. We'll get to our discussion here in a moment. Sign up before midnight on Halloween. Get the DFS sub for only $49. It was originally $149. Now you get it for $49. Uh, that's terrific. What are you dressing up for as Halloween if you dress up as anything? Well, uh, I, I think I'm going to try to dress up as Pat James because uh, I want to sneak into that uh, King of the Beach qualifier. Tidy whities in a tuxedo. <laughs> Love it. That is wonderful. Rate and review. T-shirt giveaway. Leave a five-star review. You're automatically entered to win. This week's winner is... Seabass4493. Uh, again, we got uh, uh, quite a few uh, reviews this week. So thank you to everybody. But Seabass4493 left us a real nice one. I couldn't pass up on uh, such a great screen name, Seabass. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'll get you the details on how to get hooked up with that 444 swag. Kick his ass, Seabass. I there can't have every day multiple Dumb and Dumber 
uh, references. It really is amazing how it's just become part of my vernacular. <laughs> Here's, here it is, new listeners. This is what we do. We touch on a few core plays at every position for the main slate on DraftKings FanDuel. We have the theory segment. But first, who do we got on the show here, TJ? Yeah, we're going to talk to Pat James real quick, uh, one of the writers at 4 for 4, our main DraftKings writer, as well as the newest finalist of DraftKings, King of the Beach. So here's Pat with us. All right, guys, and I'm here with 4 for 4 writer Pat James, who recently took down the DraftKings $1.5 million King of the Beach qualifier, number 140. Pat, what's up, buddy? Congratulations, man. Thanks, Siege. Good weekend. Feels good. Yeah, dude, that's a huge hit for you. Um, why don't you uh, go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself to the listeners who uh, either aren't 4 for 4 subs or haven't heard you on the pod before, and then just give us the uh, the rundown of the tournament that you played and how it played out. All right, so Pat James, 4 for 4 writer. I do the DraftKings full contest slate, main slate breakdown, and also some contrarian picks for the website. Uh, I've been in fantasy, seems like, forever used to do like my own thing on my own website then branched out started working for a bunch of different sites ended up at the best site to work for uh four for four and <laughs> as far as this showdown lineup goes um what did you want me to do you want me to like tell you who was in the lineup that actually won because i ran 20 lineups i scripted 20 lineups okay. uh and the lineup that actually took it down had juju in the captain spot i mean i just thought you know Miami's defense, obviously, has been a sieve all year. Uh, I really thought this was a bounce-back game for Juju, so I had Juju in the captain slot. I actually also thought that Connor not being in the captain slot was the key to this week because he was just mm -hmm. so expensive. Yeah. He was so expensive, you couldn't really do much else around him if he was in the captain slot. But I thought he was definitely a, uh, you know, a lock-button play for um, the flex spots. And then... Yeah. I also liked Deontay Johnson. He was a lock button. I believe he was a lock button for me on the 20 lineups that I made. He and Rudolph just had like a superior connection um, the previous weeks that Rudolph was in. He kind of, the whole offense kind of took a dive when Devlin Hodges came in. But um, when Rudolph was in, he was he was increasing in snaps, increasing in targets. So I had him in the lineup. Um, and then I, I opted to uh, not put Mason Rudolph in this lineup and instead go with Chris Boswell. So yeah. quarterbacks are really touchdown dependent. And I figured if uh, Rudolph was, you know, marching down the field and, and, and Juju and Deontay Johnson were getting all these targets, all these catches, all these yards, but they were stalling in the red zone, which is kind of what happened. Um, not, uh, then Boswell would, would, um, would basically, you know, have a chance at a few field goals. Now, Rudolph converted, but uh, on a few touchdowns, but the fact of the matter is his salary was uh, a little bit prohibitive and, you, you know, he wasn't able to be in a lineup with uh, Connor and Juju. And uh, I also had Ryan Fitzpatrick in this lineup. So it just kind of worked out that the, you know, Rudolph w was someone that you weren't supposed to have in lineups, despite the fact that he did convert on some touchdowns. And then um, I have a, a Monday morning podcast where I kind of review the week and talk about the showdown Monday night slate. And I, I said on the podcast, I said, I think the $200 Alan Hearns unlocks, unlocks everything. So yeah, 
Yeah, for he those only that don't had, know, they, like salaries get down to like the hundreds of dollars on the showdown. Right, and he he caught a touchdown on on the Dolphins' second drive from Fitzpatrick, and I mean, when 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 you're at two hundred dollars on the the showdown slate, a touchdown is like thirty x, right? So yeah. he he yeah. Imme- he immediately smashed, and having Hearns in the lineup was pretty much the only way that you got up to. Fitz, Juju, Deontay Johnson, and Connor. So it just worked out that way. Yeah, Hearns ended up in uh, in ten percent of lineups. Now uh, this was the um, the, the one dollar uh, thirteen thousand man um, overlaid a little bit, only eleven thousand five hundred sixty six. But you still got to beat out basically twelve thousand dollars to top the field. Uh, but Alan Hearns at two hundred dollars was only. Uh, only 10% owned, and then uh, Juju at, at the captain spot, 47% owned across the entire uh, slate. And then, as you mentioned, Connor at 87% owned, but uh, a lot of people putting him in captain. Uh, so, I mean, the difference for you is basically putting Juju um, in captain and then her- using Hearns to unlock everything. Hearns at 10%, huh? Yep, it was definitely the key to it all was Hearns because, you know, that lineup's not possible without basically completely punting one one spot. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's something, uh, it's something that I've talked about on, on the, um, on the DFS MVP podcast here about full slates. Um, obviously the, the dynamics are a lot different on a showdown, but just the, the concept of completely punting a play, like the, the upside of what you can get to with the other players compared to a bunch of, of like medium level players, uh, that don't match that. Is that kind of like the thought process there for you? Yeah. I mean, we saw it this week with John New Smith on the main slate, mm-hmm. you know, he, yep. he allowed you to get up to, to every, pretty much every option that you wanted only paying, 27 or 28k for for a tight end and then he ends up going for almost 20 DraftKings points you know and then you're you're left with a, a, an extra stud or or two in your lineup and that's just that unlocks it right there for you absolutely um i mean so these these things don't come easy uh this wasn't a high scoring game 27 to 7 uh 27 to 14 um and you only squeaked it out by um uh, a point 1.05 points uh against 12,000 people so what uh how how easy did it come were you sitting I saw you tweet that you needed a hold uh so what what happened between that tweet and the end uh, what was your sweat like yeah so um what happened was I was about <clears throat> 3.6 points behind the leader at the time and nobody in front of me had Boswell so I needed a field goal from Boswell I knew that so I needed the Steelers to stall in the red zone and they did um, but what happened was they were on the 20, so that would obviously only be a, that would only be a 37-yard field goal and three points, so that wouldn't put me over the, the 3.6 points that I needed. But on third down, James Conner caught a swing pass and lost four yards, which put them on the 24, which made it a 41-yard field goal. Uh, Amazing. A, right? And, like, absolute bink city here. Uh, and it put them over. But then the Dolphins... Still had another drive, and uh, the the guy right behind me was uh, within just a few point or just a few tenths of a point now, and he had Devonte Parker, and Devonte Parker actually caught a pass on that last drive, but the yardage from the from the pass for Fitzpatrick, and then Fitzpatrick had like a like an eight yard scramble after that. Those two things. Uh, put it over the top for me, but he also like he also lost a fumble 
Um, <laughs> yeah. He, he like got sacked and the ball popped up in the air and uh, a lineman recovered it. Like there was, a, there was three or four instances where um, if it went the other way, I was definitely dropping. And, and the lineup that was right behind me was like a, a train. So I would have dropped not only yeah. to second, but probably to like fifth or sixth or something like that. Yeah, that's one strategy that uh, people will run in these these qualifiers just to, to run a train uh, 20, 20 or so of the same lineup or however many lineups they put in. Um, that is that is a popular tactic that we'll see. So how um, how often have you been firing at, at this specific qualifier, just qualifiers um, in general? And is it like is it something that you use as part of your bankroll or do you like I have a, a separate bankroll for for qualifiers, even though from an ROI perspective, it doesn't make sense. It's just like kind of a psychological thing for me um how have you, have you been firing at cues this year yeah i mean this is the crazy thing i don't fire at cues at all like really? if you if honest to god if you opened up my csv i'm probably uh under one percent of my bankroll is wow. in cues yeah and what happened was i i was making i mean i always play the showdown slates on monday and sunday night and thursday night mm -hmm. love playing those so i always make my 20 lineups and and put them in um you know, most of the 20 maxes um, and some other single entries here and there. But uh, for some reason, I was just scrolling through and the the king of the beach caught my eye. And I I would contemplate I contemplated putting it on the uh, putting them in the, the higher dollar. There was one high, higher dollar queue. I think it was maybe 20 or 10 or 20 bucks. But I said, uh, you know, I'm not a queue guy. These lineups probably aren't even going to hit. So I just put the one, I put them in the, the $1, 20 lineups in the $1 queue. It might be, it's not the first time I, I uh, fired at the King of the Beach this year, but it's maybe like the second or third. Like, I'm just not a queue wow. guy. I don't, I, I feel like it's a waste of your bankroll. And it was just complete bank city. Like, luck, yeah, luck, yeah. lucky that this week is one of the weeks that I, I picked. So I'm sure there's been weeks where I've had a lineup that could have, taken down you know one of the 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 smaller uh entry tournaments uh, but this week just happened to be the week that i got one in there yeah i mean uh, hey that, this is one of those things this is what can get the ball rolling on uh this is how you start a heater hitting one of these things so you uh you obviously got the the ticket to the king of the beach which is valued at 10k and we'll talk about what's coming up next for you uh did you did you have this lineup in in some regular gpp so you got some cash in your pocket immediately too yeah, but it was um, nice. It was. Uh, I'm lucky that actually it wasn't duped. This lineup wasn't duplicated in in the King of the Beach uh, yeah. because it was it was pretty heavily duplicated elsewhere. So I did take down uh, one other GPP, but it was like split, maybe eight or nine gotcha. ways. And, yeah, and it was only ended up being a few hundred dollars. Gotcha. So um, why don't you explain, because the King of the Beach qualifiers are a little different, so why don't you explain to the listeners like, what's on deck for you now that you got your ticket to King of the Beach? Yeah, so week 11, which is November 17th, there's a 200-man semifinal. And the top 75 from that semifinal uh, get to go to the actual live final, which is in Miami. It's a you know, four-night all expenses paid, airfare paid, spending money type thing. And then on Sunday, they host uh, like a huge watch party for all the, the 75 entrants. And I think the top prize is 200K. And mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, even if you come in dead last 200 and don't even make it to 
uh, Miami. There's last place is still a, a few G's, so pretty yeah. locked. Pretty excited. The, pretty excited what, either way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then what's the men pay for the the 75 that make it to um, to Miami? Uh, you know what? I didn't even look at it to be honest. Okay. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly, it's it's definitely in the five digits. I think it might be twenty. Um, but I don't, I don't have that in front of me, but I mean, either way, it's, it's going to be a nice day. So, I mean, basically you're playing a, um, you're basically playing a double up in terms of, of percentage of people that are going to be paid out to make it to the live queue. So, I mean, have you even put much thought into like how you're going to attack that? Like I, I see, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different, but I mean, just in 200 man tournaments, um, at all at the higher stakes, which this will be mixed of high stakes and, and, and some people that just randomly hit um, and me. You see people kind of go out of their way to do some, some bad correlation plays. Like, do you, do you have an idea how you'll attack this one? The 200? Yeah. Man? I mean, I've thought about it, um, probably too much in the last three days. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but, uh, to be honest, I think that's probably going to be most of, uh, you know, my favorite plays for that week. Most of my core, sure. I might, you know, I might, you know, try to get some leverage on the field on uh, a player that I think is going to be in a lot of lineups that I'm not 100% sold on or, or something like that. Maybe pivot off one or two guys mm -hmm. here or there, but I, I'm, I feel like m many of the, the entrants in this tournament might try to do what you just said and and you know get a little weird uh more than they should so i don't want to i think a maybe um you know like a leagues lineup uh a triple up type lineup yep. would be would be good enough to to hopefully get me to south beach yeah so if you the most important question if you make it to south beach who's your plus one well I, it's funny because i had a talk with my wife this <laughs> that's, a, that's a start <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh first i actually had to figure out if the 21st to the 24th of november was thanksgiving which it's not so that's <laughs> that's that's good um and then I, I like i actually busted through i busted into the bedroom on sunday night and like was yelling king of the beach we're going to miami <laughs> and you know like just like trying to get her all jazzed up and she she yeah. was she was already asleep for Two hours so she was angry at first but then you know she's a little excited knowing that there could be a, a decent payday in the future but then Absolutely. she told me today yeah she told me today that she can't go to oh. uh yeah she has parent-teacher conferences she's a teacher uh like me and she has parent-teacher conferences that thursday and friday so and she was like well, you know sorry but i can't go i said all right well i'll have to find somebody else uh have you been to to a live final or just even like a, a fantasy conference at all um yep um the closest thing that i've ever been to a fantasy conference was a meetup in philadelphia uh okay. and like this was a few years ago but it wasn't anything official but there was maybe like 15 or so fantasy guys who got together and went to uh eagles training camp and then you know went out and shot the shit and stuff like that nice yeah you'll uh either way if you if you make that top 75 it'll be uh it's a hell of an experience just to hang out with some some like-minded people and everybody in industries um pretty fun um but i mean man i just wanted to get you on here and and say congratulations it, it's a hell of a, an accomplishment either way uh to to get one of those tickets uh obviously awesome to to get that Q badge on on the four for four site and uh man i 
I when I brought you on to four for four, I, I I knew you were one of the most underrated guys in the industry. So hopefully this gives you a nice little bump because uh, uh, you do sharp work, and it's it's nice to get that um, that reassurance in in the form of a big hit. So uh, congratulations, dude! If you uh, end up taking my job, just make sure you save me uh, make sure you save me a, a salary or something like that. All right. Thanks, Tej, and there's absolutely no way that I would I would edit anybody's work at 44. I would not want that job. <laughs> All right, man. Let, uh, remind everyone else where uh, where they can find you at before we sign off here. All right, so it's at Pat James DFS on Twitter, and then on iTunes, I have a podcast where I record in my car on the way to work. Uh, just some thoughts, a couple days a week. That is the Ride In NFL DS, DFS podcast on pretty much every platform. All right, man. Uh, congrats again. And it's it's week 11. We're going to be sweating, huh? That's it? Yep. And then hopefully week right. 12, too. All right. Well, we'll I'll make sure we set up some kind of uh, live sweat so everybody's watching the action for you. All right. Sounds good. All right. Later, buddy. Thanks, man. All right, Pat, thank you so much for uh, sharing that win with us. Really excited for you. But uh, Holden, back to what we got on deck for week nine. I'm just going to be honest with people. We, we were taping this. I'm, I'm a Nationals guy. I cover the Nationals. World Series Game 7 is on, and TJ's nice enough to push it. So, you know, I, I wasn't around for the interview. The, just complete honesty and transparency. That's where I am. Nationals, World Series, but everything else besides for that has been all DFS this week. Let's do it, baby. We got for the second straight week, and hopefully he just doesn't disappoint this week, we're going to start with Russell Wilson at quarterback, 8,600 Fandle, 7,100 DraftKings, taking on this uh, porous Tampa Bay pass defense they're really good against the run actually which makes me kind of question whether or not i should shove uh, chris carson in some lineups but russell wilson this week man they're a favorite once again uh he's coming off a couple of i guess sub russell wilson performances mm -hmm. and it looks like he set up once again yeah i think it was uh rich rebar that was basically tweeting out uh something about the the uh blitz the run blitz rate of the tampa bay buccaneers i think you said it was either the highest or among the highest in the league um and basically they're just leaving their their four uh secondary dairy guys back there uh to get roasted trying to trying to stop the run overselling to stop the run and uh we've obviously seen what that's done to this defense if we adjust for strength of schedule uh tampa bay is first in fantasy points allowed to running back but they're bottom two against every other position so obviously that's a really good matchup for any quarterback uh russell wilson uh i mean subpar in terms of uh overall fantasy day from what we would expect from wilson but on efficiency wise he's still the most efficient fantasy quarterback in the league right now uh, even if we we take out the rushing numbers he's leading the league in fantasy points per pass attempt this is a really good spot for him against tampa bay seattle is a six point favorite they have a implied point total currently 28.25 uh last week was was tough finding quarterbacks uh we had a lot to pay up for, uh, a lot of guys in really good spots. I think we had six teams with implied point totals of at least 28 points. This week, there's only one on the main slate. It's a Seahawks. So Wilson is priced up uh, above everybody on both sides, but uh, he's worth paying for because of, of the scoring expectation between the Seahawks and, and the rest of the league on the short main slate. There's only 10, main game, uh, 10 games on the main slate. So against this pass funnel defense, against a defense that doesn't rush the passer particularly 
really well. Uh, Wilson is a guy that I'm, I'm fine paying up for if you choose to do so. Uh, there's actually quite a lot of flexibility in lineup construction this week because we do have uh, a couple decent values at other positions. But Wilson, you could argue, has the safest floor at his position. Uh, him and Lamar Jackson are the only two players or only two quarterbacks, I'm sorry, with at least 14 or more Fanduel points in every game. So even for a down game for Milson, uh, his floor has been higher than anybody else's this year. Yeah, it's really remarkable what he's doing at this point. And you say there's a lot of flexibility. I Where? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Besides for this next guy, a quarterback on DraftKings, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is going to free up a lot. And this is my early week dummy cash lineup quarterback. He's going up against Detroit. His name is Derek Carr. He's 5,500 on DraftKings. He's moderately priced on FanDuel as well, 7,300. But you got a high game total here. You got a situation where Detroit, they can be thrown on. And we've mm-hmm. seen Detroit's offense really come on as well. And I don't think this is going to, the total is at 50, 50, 50 and a half. So it's not going to be sleeper if you get a whole bunch of points in there. But Derek Carr to me, is a guy that really stands out if I'm not paying up a quarterback this week. Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think you just want exposure to this game because as, as I mentioned with Russell Wilson, we don't have any teams uh, implied for 28 points beside the Seahawks. Uh, that game is implied for 50, I believe, but it's uh, it's a little lopsided on the spread with Seattle by six. So this is the most obvious shootout we have of the week. As you mentioned, the the 50 plus over under a spread of just two, which is in favor of Oakland um, in a vacuum. I actually like Stafford uh, better than Carr, which probably isn't surprising just from a a raw point projection, but we're talking about value here. And uh, Derek Carr, you're getting him at a $600 discount to Matthew Stafford over on FanDuel. Carr down at $7,300, Stafford up at $79, and then uh, Carr's pressed all the way down at at $5,500 on DraftKings, so he really stands out there if we're looking in the same game. You have Stafford up at $6,800, so uh, a $1,300 discount with the uh, high correlation play of opposing passing games there both of these defenses rank in the bottom 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks uh, Detroit has slanted a little more towards the pass recently than they did early in the year where uh, Oakland has been leaning a lot more on Josh Jacobs but uh, Carr has still had a little bit of a floor things have he's looked better since the bye at least 285 and two in both of the games since the bye the the one thing that uh Carr has going for him this not the one thing but one important thing he has going for him is uh, Tyrell Williams is is back and healthy Tyrell got another score last week we didn't know how healthy he was going to be coming off of that injury um, but he's back uh, and he's one of the better deep threats in the league the third highest average depth of target among players with at least 25 targets and Detroit has allowed the most deep completions uh, in the league. Those are balls that have been thrown 15-plus yards downfield. So having Tyrell there to stretch things out, obviously, is only going to help Carr. And uh, Adam Levitan, one of the great minds in DFS, tweeted out early in the week, Raiders quietly fourth in yards per play, eighth in offensive DVOA, ninth in yards per pass attempt. Uh, And this starts a run of really good matchups for them. So this Raiders offense is is moving the ball, not getting a lot of credit. So they are, they're in a a, a sneaky blow up spot here. Oh man. Just, I'm looking where else could I do, you know, where else with the Raiders and the Lions could I go Mm -hmm. if I'm stacking things? I don't know. We're talking core plays here, but um, you and I discussed it last week with Kenny Galladay. You know, everybody's yeah. going to be on Marvin Jones. Boom, Kenny Galladay goes yep. off. So, 
going to have to figure out which wide receiver from Detroit you want once again. But I don't know how you go against Kenny Galladay once again. And oh, I, I love the talk about Tyrell Williams because he looked a lot healthier last week. Sure. A lot healthier. And that was big. Um, at running back, how do you not play Aaron Jones at this point? Like <laughs> This week to me, it's Dalvin Cook, right? Dalvin Cook's at the top. And then it's Aaron Jones. And I, I, who's going to be higher on, Cook or Jones? Because they're both in great spots. Aaron Jones, 7,700 FanDuel, 7,000 DraftKings. He's getting a ball a ton. Um, and he's just, I don't want to say he's feast or famine, but his boom games just they win you the week. Yeah, man. Um, and hopefully, well, I'm, I'm going to get a little selfish here and throw out the good juju for this Packers game period. Uh, John Paulson and I will be attending this game live. So we Ooh. will be stacking this game heavily because that's – uh, that's a law if you play DFS. If you go to a game, uh, then you you have to stack it. So hopefully we'll be talking about my qualifier win next week after Good. Pat's this week. But uh, that, that's besides the point. Uh, this week at running back, that you mentioned we got um, – I mean, Christian McCaffrey's pretty much – he proved his matchup proofness last week against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Dalvin Cook's in a great spot against the Chiefs. But you really have to pay up for this. Uh, those two guys. Uh, CMC at 9700 on FanDuel, $10,000 on DraftKings. You got Dalvin at nine k on FanDuel. Uh, he's at 9500 on DraftKings. But then we have two running backs that are in similarly good spots – with not quite as high volume, but uh, somewhat comparable volume that are priced much lower. And Aaron Jones is the start of that. He, we were kind of getting worried a little bit about a timeshare with uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but Aaron Jones has kind of retook that, that not a bell cow workload, but clearly the main back in, uh, in green Bay, 62% of the backfield touches over last, uh, over the last two weeks. And that includes two thirds of the touches last week. And, and one of the big parts of that, and the, what we're looking for from our running backs is, uh, involvement in the passing game, because that's going to keep that floor high. Even if game script doesn't go as expected, 19.7% target share over the last month is fifth among all running backs. <clears throat> that's for Aaron Jones. So the question is, I, I don't think it's going to affect my choice of whether I want to play Jones uh, against this Chargers defense that ranks 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to uh, running backs. But it, it might, if Devontae Adams does come back, that 19.7% target share kind of coincides with Devontae being out. So does Aaron Jones all of a sudden get a little less work in the passing game? Uh, that's something you're going to want to keep an eye on for his floor. But as I mentioned, this Chargers defense is one that you could target pretty confidently with your running backs. Uh, 100 total yards allowed to a running back in four straight games. Two of those games included backfields that went over 200 yards total. So that's obviously very good for um, anyone touching the ball in the Packers back. Field. Are you going to go just a little crazy and go Williams, Jamal Williams, and and Aaron Jones? JP wants me to real bad. He he's throwing oh, he it at wants me. You to, too. Yeah, I it was his real. idea. I mean, it's a hell of a way to win a qualifier. I you know I think I've only won a couple of tournaments and none of them have been like a million dollars. As a matter of fact, I think I don't even know if if I've won more than one thousand dollars in a tournament. But I, when I did. There was two times I remember I had a um, Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson stack mm -hmm. where Blake Bortles was having a decent season and nobody was onto him yet. And the other time I just, I put two running backs in the same backfield and it went off. 
I mean, yeah, it really it's... is a way to differentiate yourself. I'm not saying you got a good chance of winning it, but that's the way that I went. Yeah. If again, if, uh, the the Jamal usage has kind of coincided with with Devontae being out as well. They haven't had the Packers haven't had a receiver really separate themselves as as the guy after Devontae. Uh, so that's I don't remember the number, but I think Williams has had four straight games, double digit PPR points. So I mean, if if the Packers do run away with this one, which I don't think is out of the question, even though they're only three point favorites, I I, I do think they're a much better real team than the Chargers. Uh, there's there's definitely some merit to both of these guys having uh value um enough upside to win a tournament i'm not sure i have to look deeper into it but uh two running backs scoring double digit points especially if you could get one very low owned for very cheap there's there's going to be um it's a it's a thought to have is paulson a big dfs guy i mean i think he's winning on yahoo big time isn't he but i didn't know he's such a big dfs guy uh he he plays quite a bit um and he just likes to uh, – He, I, I guess he just wants to give me this idea so he can be there to celebrate it with me. Oh, well, that's very And he's a huge – and he's a huge uh, Packers, Packers fan. So I think he's – I don't think he wants to give me any Chargers to play. I was I was needling him a little bit and asking him how mad he's going to be at me when I realized Mac Williams is the play and I'm rooting oh for God. Mike Williams next to him. <laughs> Will you please convince me why I should play Le'Veon Bell? Oh, I know why, because the Jets are playing Miami. Is there any other reason at this point? That Jets team is a complete, just, it's a gong show on stilts, man. It's a goat rodeo. They stink. They're awful. It's it's so ugly watching their football games. Lev Bell, 7K FanDuel, 7-7 on DraftKings. I mean, you know, they're trying to trade them. This, this whole thing just smells to me. Yeah, I mean Bell and Jones uh flip flop pricing across the uh the sites. Um exactly opposite. Seven thousand Fandle, like you mentioned, seventy seven hundred DraftKings for Bell. Uh I mean the the medicine for pretty much any offense or running game has been playing this Miami defense, right? And uh that's who they get this week. They are favored. Uh their implied point total is low at twenty two, but that's still eleven points over their uh eleven point per, point per game average. And even though Bell hasn't really got it done outside the first two weeks in terms of fantasy production. His workload is is undeniable, and you're getting it at that uh, discount compared to the guys I talked about earlier, the Christian McCaffreys, the uh, the Dalvin Cooks. Le'Veon Bell is the only player besides Christian McCaffrey that has seen at least 55% of his team's total touches. Uh, I mean, that's just that's an unheard of workload. 55% is huge. Uh, Miami's 30th against running backs when adjusted for strength of schedule. And like I talked about with Jones, you want that involvement in the passing game. Le'Veon Bell leads all running backs in target share. And this is a Miami defense that has allowed two 100-yard rushers in the last three games. And that's without them being blown out. I mean, early in the season, we were saying that this is a Miami defense that you're going to target with your running backs uh, because their running backs are going to be in really good game script against them. Uh, We saw... Adrian Peterson get over 100 yards with, uh, I, th- I think, uh, Washington only, only won that game by one. And then James Conner had a big game but uh, s- this week, but Steelers started that game in a 14-point hole, so it's not like they were just in a perfect game script the whole game. And still we saw running backs have really big games without perfect game scripts. So even if the Jets do uh, do Jets things, uh, I, th- I think Bell has a, a big one here. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, is he – 
already auditioning for his next team with them talking about trading him uh, this week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously too late now, but he's not going to be with the Jets next year. Mm-hmm. And there was talk about this during the offseason, right? They hired Gase, and then yep. Gase didn't want him, and they hired the general manager, and the general manager doesn't want him. It's like, uh, it's just a bad situation there. there. There's just a few organizations that are embarrassing, like super embarrassing, and the Jets are one of them. Yeah, like, but I mean, it, it almost just points to how important he is to this offense. Like the head coach didn't even want him, and Le'Veon Bell's still leading the league in touch share. What else are you going to do, though? Who else right. are you going to do? Exactly. Because, exactly. I mean, listen, I thought Darnold, I still think Darnold could be a good head, uh, a good quarterback. They, mm-hmm. need, they need somebody that's a good head coach. They need some stability in the organization. So he's working against that. And we're talking about Lev Bell. I was just looking at his um, his touch share here earlier today and everything that goes along with it. I mean, half the games, more than half the games, there's been one game where he's had more than four yards per carry. Yeah, that's right. Just, he's not getting any, any push at the line. Um, last week, two and a half yards per carry. He's getting, you know, four or five targets. If they really are getting their butts kicked, he can push nine or ten. But the touches are there, fine. But at what point in time does volume, th- does production just trump volume? Because that's almost where when, we are. There's, when there's it doesn't to, when what? it doesn't work against the Dolphins is when it's finally time. <laughs> this is it? This yeah. is our last shot? Absolutely. Okay, very good. I'm glad you cut me off and just <laughs> you put an end to that. If it doesn't work against the Dolphins, we're done ski with Lev Bell. Wide receiver, Mr. Efficiency, Russell Wilson will be throwing to Tyler Lockett uh, against the Tampa Bay defense, as we already talked about. They are a sieve, 7,500 FanDuel, 7,500 DraftKings. So maybe a little better play there on FanDuel than DraftKings. I think so. Uh, This is a kind of unique uh, week at wide receiver because we don't have – I mean, I don't – you don't really need to pay all the way up for wide receiver. Uh, we we do have the Tampa Bay receivers projected as uh, as the top values at, at both um, on both sites. But if we look at the very top of pricing, we don't have Julio on the main slate. We don't have Cooper Cup on the main slate. No Michael Thomas on the main slate. No DeAndre Hopkins on the main slate. Like that's you know the usually the top four most expensive guys. Uh, so all of a sudden, if we look at the the value column, uh, Tyler Lockett's the one that stands out in terms of. Uh, uh, value and and matchup at the top of the pricing list seventy five hundred on both sites and you said it Tampa Bay um, there that's exactly what they are they're a sieve of a defense uh, Tyler Lockett went through a little uh, dip in the middle of the year in terms of his volume but that's caught on the last couple of games not coincidentally since uh, Will Disley went down. Uh, Tyler Lockett has seen at least 19% of Seattle's targets in both of those games. Saw a nice, healthy 27% target share last week. So that was really good to see. Uh, we've already talked about Tampa Bay just being a pass funnel defense uh, from the quarterback point of view. From the receiver point of view, they've allowed four 100-yard receivers this year. Uh, they've allowed three more receivers to go over at least 80 yards. So uh, the primary pass catcher in offense is always going to have a, a pretty healthy floor here again against Tampa Bay and because of that Tyler Lockett does project as a top four value on both FanDuel and DraftKings at four for four yeah and we talked about DK Metcalf last week too and he kind of had a nice game and he's a good play again this week yeah too. he is I, I think that whole passing game is a good game we don't have time to talk about Chris Carson but he's the guy I'm just going back and forth on the most this week okay John Brown going up against Washington 
the Washington team. We talked about the Jets being a disaster. These the the Jets are not even nearly as big a disaster as the the Redskins are. And every single year, uh, Dwayne Haskins could be starting for them. So Buffalo should have a ton of uh, possessions this week with a lot of turnovers. The question is, how much are they going to have to throw? And I guess the answer with John Brown is just need that one big play, and he pays off. Sixty two hundred Fanduel, sixty one hundred DraftKings. Yeah, if we uh, get our first NFL guest on the show, I think it has to be John Brown because I think we've talked about him more this year than than we've ever talked about any player in one calendar year. I think this is like the third week we've we've mentioned him, and maybe fourth or fifth time we've talked about him. Uh, he he keeps getting used, and his price keeps not going up, or at least not going up a lot. Uh, under 6,500 on both sites. John Brown is uh, a top 20 uh, wide receiver in terms of target share, accounting for almost a quarter of uh, Buffalo's targets. And, and this Washington secondary is is one that you want to target with your passing game. Uh, yeah, John Brown hasn't had those uh, splash games or huge splash plays, only two touchdowns on the season, but still just been uh, – uber consistent only one game under uh 10 ppr points and and the ceiling hasn't been there but he's the only wide receiver besides michael thomas with at least seven and a half vandal points in every game that's played at least uh seven games this year and probably the the juiciest part of this week is the fact that john brown is going to spend a lot of time lined up across from josh norman who's allowed the second most fantasy points per target among cornerbacks that have been targeted uh, at least 20 times. That's per Sports Info Solutions. So uh, Brown uh, might get real loose on Norman this week. We shall see. Uh, we're just waiting for that one big play, right? That's all we need. And then we were talking earlier about the Lions and whether it's Marvin Jones or Kenny Galladay. And last week we leaned toward Galladay mm-hmm. with everybody being on Jones. Are we leaning toward Jones because of price over Galladay? Yeah. Are we leaning toward Jones just because – you know, this is his week. He's at 5,700 Fanduel, 6K on DK. Uh, I mean, both of these guys are, are absolutely in play. This is a game that we already talked about. You just want to target um, in some way, shape, or form. If you if you end up uh, paying up for Russell Wilson, um, I think Marvin Jones is is probably like the closest thing to a pass catcher lock just because of the way salary works. If, if you're going to pay up for Wilson, pay up at quarterback, you're going to have to pay down somewhere. Uh, Marvin Jones looks like the most obvious pay down uh, player. And also it gives you the exposure to that game at a discount. So it kind of offsets that, um, that expensive Russell Wilson salary. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, Jones and, and Galladay, they had kind of been converging in price uh, and then Jones had the big week two weeks ago. Uh, Galladay had the better game last week, and then their prices uh, kind of converged. Um, I'm sorry, diverged this week. So now there, there's actually a pretty big discrepancy. We have Marvin Jones at 5,700 on FanDuel, $6,000 on DraftKings. So you're getting him for uh, $1,200 cheaper than Galladay on FanDuel, $1,700 cheaper on DraftKings, and it doesn't really matter what receiver you're throwing to if you have a primary pass catcher against this Oakland defense probably setting up to have a big game and Jones and Galladay only separated by uh, 1.2 targets per game and as we saw two weeks ago it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility for Jones to not just out target 
Galladay, but out-targeted him by a, a a pretty large amount. And then the Raiders, I mean, they keep trying to flip-flop their corners depending on what side um, they, they moved their corners after they traded Gary on Connolly. But Trayvon Mullen on a, on a per-target basis, uh, even though the sample size is small, has been giving up just about uh, as much uh, yardage and, and touchdown equity as Connolly did uh, before he got shipped off to Houston. So Marvin Jones said, said she a lot of um, inexperienced Trayvon Mullen and be able to take advantage of that uh, of that Oakland secondary that just like Detroit, they're really susceptible to the deep ball. And obviously both Jones and Galladay can capitalize on that. Yeah, and we're not worried about ownership and cash, but you know, I, I bet Galladay is slightly higher owned than than Jones in GPPs. And I don't think by much, and I don't think either one of them are going to be much more than 10 15%. But I guess if you're looking at GPPs, if you're not game stacking it or team stacking it, my sense is that people will be on Galladay this week just because he had the bigger week last week. Sure. I, I don't think you're going to get low ownership on either of these guys this week. Um, I, this, we were recording this Wednesday afternoon and, and I did, um, I did my, uh, ownership projections early this morning. I actually have Jones projected for slightly higher ownership. And I think the model just came out that way, probably because of the price discrepancy. Um, but both like near the top in overall ownership, I, I have, uh, Jones tied for the second highest ownership at wide receiver on FanDuel. Galladay tied for uh, the fourth highest. Um, but I mean, th- both of them could easily come in at or above 20%. I wouldn't be surprised. Very interesting. Very interesting there between those two guys. Tight end. Every week we should talk about Darren Waller. I'll tell you this much, though. The Texans really did a great job of shutting him down last week. Yep. Now, there was a rub play and he had a monster gain. I want to say it was about 40 yards, but it was uh, called back because Ranfro mm-hmm. ended up pick with a pick. But, you know, Waller, they did a good job. I just don't think the personnel is there for the Lions to shut him down. And this year, to me, he's been the best tight end out there. For 6, sure. 6,800 Fandle, 6,300 DK. And I mean, even even without the, the personnel, it's something we talk about a lot on the podcast that even the the most high volume guys um, at tight end, it's just going to be a high variance position. So he only had uh, what was it, two catches for eleven yards, um, but on on eight targets, and the eight targets are still there, and that's the thing that's important. Uh, at least seven targets in all but one game uh, this year. So that that volume is it's going to ebb and flow a little bit. Eight targets is nice, but it's also not enough that you're just like going to expect a hundred yards and a touchdown out, out of that volume every week. But in terms of relative to the position, uh, he's kind of blowing everyone out of the water. He leads all tight ends and target share. He's sixth in the league uh, among all positions in target share. And as you mentioned, Detroit outside the top 20 against tight ends. If we adjust for strength of schedule, uh, Oakland is a home favorite, which is, does give our, our tight ends a, a little bit of a bump. They do actually, uh, do better in a positive game flow and some people sometimes miss that so that's that's important here but probably more important is just the fact that um, Oakland is going to be able to attack this Detroit secondary and and Waller is their primary pass catcher yep so if you're paying up and then if you're going down now camera break we're sitting here taping this on Wednesday so camera break did miss practice mm-hmm. OJ Howard is 
probably not going to be playing again this week, although he was working on the side. But if Brady is in there, and I don't know how much we were expecting big things out of him. To me, I was leaning John to Smith, and that ended up paying off last week. But yep. Brady this week against Seattle, this is a great matchup. I mean, if there's if there is a position that Seattle seems to struggle against year after year, it's tight end, right? 5,100 FanDuel, 3,100 DraftKings. Cameron Brady's got to be in the discussion at Seattle. Yeah, I mean, if if you we actually have a, a few pay down options this week. Uh, you can make the argument for Olson. You can make the argument for Hawkinson. But uh, both of those guys don't really have a target floor, uh, and we have to work with the information we're given. And all of a sudden, it looks like Brait might have a, a target floor with OJ Howard not healthy. Uh, Brait played. 67% of the snaps without Howard last week. But what was the, the eye catcher was that Brait had six targets. And while that might not seem like a huge number, it's only the second time this season that a Buccaneer not named Godwins or Evans has had more than uh, five targets. So uh, in that one game without Howard, they, they used Brait quite a bit. And we'd have to think in this game, against Seattle uh, that has struggled against tight ends that they should continue that usage, especially because their, their secondary is just so suspect that it's forcing Tampa Bay uh, into more uh, throwing situations. But even in neutral game script, even outside of their secondary, giving up plays and making their offense throw uh, something maybe we were expecting to see in the offseason was Bruce Arians coming in here with Jameis throwing deep using these weapons a little bit more throwing more often the first month of the season we didn't quite see that uh, in neutral situations Tampa Bay was only throwing 54% of the time that ranked near the bottom of the league if we looked at the last four weeks in neutral game script Tampa Bay has thrown 65% of the time so that puts them near the top of the league so if you look at season long numbers right now their uh their passing rate is is still going to trend a little bit towards the low side but last four weeks they've been throwing at a very high rate all right so there you go that's what we got uh offensively let's flip the defense real quick i want to start with the panthers that you throw up here a little cheaper mm -hmm. option four thousand fanduel 2800 DraftKings going up against tennessee i'm actually i'm interested in seeing your thoughts on this now you can't trust the Tennessee run game. I mean, Derrick Henry is one blow-up game this year, right? But yep. the Panthers have struggled against the run, and Derrick Henry is actually someone I'm looking at a little bit in GPPs. But just because you can't stop the run very well doesn't mean you're not a good option defensively. Sure. Um, I mean, the I I like the Panthers because uh, we get to pay down for them um, a little bit compared to some of the a little more expensive plays this week. Uh, $4,000 on FanDuel is a little bit pricey, but $2,800 on DraftKings is very affordable. We have a home favorite. Uh, the Panthers are favored by home. And even though Tennessee obviously does favor the run a lot, uh, when they do try to pass, they are uh, last in adjusted sack rate allowed, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, the only player with a higher interception rate than Ryan Tannehill under pressure this year is Sam Darnold, and Carolina has forced the fourth highest interception rate this year. So I usually want to target a team that's going to throw a little bit more than Tennessee, but uh, everything kind of comes together where I think there, there's still uh, quite a bit of upside, even though Tennessee is going to try to feed Derrick Henry. All right, good. And then the pay-up option, there's the Bills. Of course, going against the Redskins, looking like Dwayne Haskins is going to make his first NFL start. Mm -hmm. That should be a complete debacle. Now, 
the Bills have struggled defensively here uh, recently. They looked mm-hmm. awful against Philadelphia, yeah, they but did. the matchup is too juicy. The price is high. 5,800 Fandle, 3,800 DraftKings, no Patriots on the main slate, no Niners on the main slate. So the Bills look to be like the pay-up option. Yeah, those. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. No, no uh, Patriots, no 49ers, and then uh, the Jets aren't even like priced all the way up. The one thing the other the sites have been doing is is maxing out the salary on the defense uh, playing against the Dolphins, but uh, they didn't do that. But still, we could we could pay up for the Bills here um, against the Redskins just because they do have that uh, that massive uh, line or number in front of the line favored by nine and a half. Washington uh, has has struggled at protecting the quarterback bottom 10 in adjusted sack rate that's obviously going to hurt uh, whoever's back there but probably especially a an inexperienced Hopkins but then uh, on the flip side one thing that we've talked about quite a bit this year because the sites have lowered their floor on the price and it's like can you pay all the way down if if you are in a, a spot because paying down at defense at a, a high variance position it's a viable option sometimes and the redskins even though they're huge underdogs um, they're priced down all the way at the bottom. Three thousand on FanDuel, eighteen hundred dollars on DraftKings. Buffalo has uh, not been great at protecting Allen. A lot of that is is self inflicted because Allen Allen will hold on the ball and try to scramble a little bit. So obviously your sack number is going to go up a little bit when you have a quarterback like that. Uh, Allen's bottom five in interception rate among quarterbacks on the main slate. And Buffalo's offense, when adjusted for strength of schedule, they've actually allowed more fantasy points to opposing defenses than the Redskins have so washington's an interesting salary saver if you're like really trying to do something like jam in um a dalvin and a cmc and maybe even a russ i don't know if that works with them but if you're trying to do that washington's going to help you get there all right guys and ladies sharp angle sports exclusive home for nfl selections from james salinas the most successful super contest winner of all time the dude is legit not only did Salinas win the Westgate Super Contest in 2015, but he finished third in 2016. And then in 2018, he finished 26. So over the last four years, picking 85 games a year, he is 63.3% against the spread. Now, usually you hear that number, you're like, no way, that guy's making it up. But this guy, again, Salinas is for real. And the only place to get his NFL against the spread and over-under selections every week is at sharpanglesports.com. Visit the site today. Uh, also, our friends at Fantasy Draft, the only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business, they're bringing it again. A $300,000 guaranteed rake-free contest. We got the Hooners main event. Largest and only rake-free contest running anywhere for week nine in the NFL. It's the only daily fantasy site, Fantasy Draft, the only daily fantasy site where you can play contests with no management fees taken out of the prize pools. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today. Promo code 4 for 4 You get a free seven-day trial and your first $1,000 of rake-free entries. That's FantasyDraft.com. Promo code 4 for 4 The number 4-F-O-R-4. Start playing on Fantasy Draft today. So today's game theory is all about red zone expected value. Real quick, I just want to get this off my chest. And this is going to be a little longer podcast today. But last year, I think it was this week, it was like, Going from week eight to week nine, I was struggling. And I decided to change up a whole bunch of stuff. I was I went a little contrarian in one to two cash game positions, and it worked out. It's worked out to this point right now. And the other thing, and I remember this, I had forgotten this whole time until you said we were going to do the game theory. You did this last year. You brought mm-hmm. this up, this red zone expected value. And I took the sheet that we took, we, we did this from, and I used this 
in our in my prep that week and yeah. it really helped nice. and it didn't just help maybe not the first week i don't remember which week it worked but as the season continued to go on the next two three weeks this really really helps i'm, yeah. I'm asking you listen up to this because it is very helpful information for the second half of the regular season yeah, this is something that I try to touch on at least um, once a year uh, in the middle of the year, whether it be on the podcast, in an article at 4 for 4, and then try to revisit a couple times a year. It's not really something that you're going to be able to revisit every week and get a lot of new information, but maybe looking at the numbers every three or four weeks just because the the I'll get into exactly what it is, but the basis for uh, this red zone expected value is red zone opportunities and obviously most players aren't going to have enough uh, volume in a single week to really change a season-long expectation after one game but maybe after three or four then that season-long expectation we could get a really good number so um, it's something that I like to look at in the middle of the season if you're familiar familiar with 444's off-season work it's uh, the basis of what I use to look for um, undervalued redraft players players that underperformed in the touchdown column but even uh within the scope of a single season we can uh expect players to at least come down come back to earth a little bit or to to start doing better than than they have just based on opportunity that's always what we're looking for opportunity and this just really zeroes in on that red zone opportunity and players that are underperforming uh, in the touchdown column all right so let's get into this man yeah. uh where do you want to start yeah um, i I guess I can just kind of give a detailed description of what it is if you want me to. Yeah, let's do that. And then you get into Baker Mayfield and I can rail on him for being a punk. But. <laughs> sure. Um, so <laughs> uh, red zone expected value is it's something that I created in 2015. And, and the kind of the, the birth of it is when I started writing seriously um, for fantasy football, one of the, the main metrics that we were using for regression analysis and things of that sort was just red zone volume, uh, whether it be passing, rushing, or whatever it might be. Um, but that just never made sense to me because if, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, if you're getting a target from the 19 or a target from the one yard line, those are both red zone targets, but those are also very different expectations. And then how do we account for whether it's a pass or a run and how do we account for if it's a target to a tight end or a wide receiver, like all these things are very different. So what I basically what I wanted to do is design a metric that takes a player's opportunity and quantifies their scoring expectation based on every single starting field position. And I focused on the red zone because that's where a huge percentage of, of touchdowns come from. And really it's closer to the goal line, like the 15 or the 10 is where we see a huge spike. And then after we get outside the 20, the, the percentage chance of a touchdown is so small that it doesn't really um, use these numbers once. So what I do is, is I take every single yard line um, and calculate the scoring expectation uh, based on what type of play it was, again, whether it was a target or a, a rush or a pass, and then to what position it was. So differentiating the expected value of a target to a running back, a tight end, or a wide receiver based on every single um, red zone play. And then once I have all of those plays, I can calculate what every single player's actual scoring expectation is, not 
instead of just looking at something like they have 10 red zone targets, the average red zone rate is 24%. They should have 2.4 uh, touchdowns. That doesn't make sense. So breaking it down by, uh, by yard line and historical um, scoring rates gives us a, a very accurate expectation of, of what their scores um, should be. So just like a quick example, a, a pass that starts between the 16 and the 20 yard line, if, the, if that's where the line of scrimmage is, that pass play has an 11.2% chance of scoring a touchdown based on scoring rates over the past uh, five years. Uh, if we compare that to a pass starts inside the five yard line, that pass has a 43.4% uh, touchdown rate expectation. So uh, almost four times higher if you're inside the five than if you're between the 16 and 20 on a pass play. I mean, what are you, you're just sitting around your house thinking, what can I do here? And then you come up with all these, I don't even know what they're called. What are they? Yeah, basically what I, with, with metrics and what I do is I, I end up trying to write an article and I can't figure out how to explain one sentence. So I end up doing like four hours of research to write one sentence and then it turns into a metric once in a while. I mean, is that, <laughs> is it worth your time? Yeah. I guess it is. This like is what this... I, this is what I do for fun. I know. That's so weird. <laughs> But good for you. Um, and I guess let's talk about some of the players here. We'll start with Baker Mayfield, who is just a – he's unraveling, man. Mm -hmm. And I've been a Baker Mayfield fan. I still think he has a good career in the NFL. But, man, he's going off on reporters. He's leaving press conferences. Yeah. He's throwing an insane amount of interceptions. Everything's going wrong for this guy. But he pops up on your model. Yeah. And, uh, and again, like like we said at the top of the pod, the, the reason we're looking for these things is just because um, – for the most part, these numbers are going to normalize. It's it's going to be very hard for a player to stay on the very far end of, of the spectrum in any metric, um, whether it be scoring rate um, or, or something else. But uh, that that stands for both ends, whether they're playing very, very bad or, or very, uh, very good. We are only looking at, at math here. We're only looking at historical numbers and scoring expectation. Um, so it's not looking at matchups. It's not adjusting for those things. So like any single metric, you, you do have to put it into context. But for our purposes here, I just want to go through um, a couple of the players that stood out the most at each position. And if you want uh, if you want to get a little further look, you can go look at TJ's take from week eight. And, and I've broken it down a little further with some links to explain everything that I just explained. But starting with quarterback, um, one of the players that stood out the most when I ran these numbers at the midway point of the season was Baker Mayfield, one of the uh, most disappointing players in the league with one of the most disappointing offenses in the league uh, for really good reason. They just haven't been playing well, but it's not just that their, their offense isn't playing well. Baker is also just experience. He's experiencing some bad luck. He's playing bad, but he's experiencing some bad luck. If we look at all of his um, passes inside the 20 this year, and we look at those historical scoring rates and where those passes have come from, uh, the, the league average would be at about eight touchdowns on his red zone passing attempts. He only has three. Um, that's a really big gap for this early in the season. Uh, 17 of his 30 pass attempts have come inside the 10. 10 of his 30 pass attempts have come inside the five-yard line. So with that many of his red zone passes coming co close to the goal line, we expect him to be scoring more touchdowns. He's just not doing it. He has an overall red zone touchdown rate of uh, just 
Uh, 10% of his red zone touchdowns, uh, his red zone passes have went for touchdowns. The league average for quarterbacks usually hovers around 24%. So again, with all of those passes so close to the goal line, we should expect someone like Baker to be um, above that 24% threshold, but he's not. Uh, All that being said, this is a uh, offense. They still need to move the ball better. They still need to get more opportunities. Baker rates 18th among all quarterbacks in red zone passing attempts. Um, but if that happens and it coincides with a little bit of um, progression, then that's uh, that's going to to result in some good stretches, maybe some monster games. Um, is it a game that I necessarily want to target this week against uh, the Broncos, two struggling teams? Maybe not. The the score on this game is expected to be pretty low, but. The Browns are facing um, a, a quarterback making their first start, and if that quarterback makes a couple of mistakes and put the Browns in really good field position, maybe all of a sudden Baker has an added three or four red zone trips this week. He's a punk, man. He's, he's really <laughs> pissing me off. Yeah, I went to Kansas, and he said a lot. Of, he's like, yeah, basketball, da da da, and that didn't bother me. But yeah. at this point now, it's just he's unraveling, and he's yeah. got to get it together. And, yeah. All right, I'm glad you brought him up, but he's a fade for me. He's got to show me before I buy it. Sure. Now, this next guy, no joke, man. Get in the end zone like eight times a game. Leonard man. Fournette was in the end zone last week, and they said he wasn't in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. So Oof. this guy's got to pop. He should be popping everywhere, and especially with you. Yeah, he's getting the workload. Um, he's not somebody that's going to like necessarily fly under the radar at this point in, in a good matchup. Um, but I think what you could maybe look for right now with Fournette is – maybe not a great matchup and maybe not a game where um, the Jaguars are favored huge, or maybe not a game where they're facing a great run defense, but maybe a game where their, their projection or scoring expectation is slightly higher um, than, than they have been uh, because Leonard Fournette, he is getting the usage. He's getting the yardage. And, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when we compared yards to touchdowns, he's just not finding the the end zone. And sometimes when you see that yardage discrepancy compared to uh, the touchdowns that that could be explained away sometimes by by big play players if you have receivers that are just catching bombs and not getting in the end zone or or running backs that are not getting a ton of volume and breaking off long runs like Fournette does break off a lot of long runs but not getting in the end zone um that's one thing but Fournette's getting the work inside the red zone and near the goal line he just hasn't converted you mentioned last week got one basically stolen from him if we look at all of his opportunities inside the 20 uh his rushes and his targets he has an expectation of just over four touchdowns but he's found the end zone just once this year from inside the red zone um and again that doesn't even include his long runs that didn't go for touchdowns i think he started the game last week with like a 60 yard run where he got caught from behind uh among all players he's second in the league in red zone opportunities but again just one touchdown um the the difference between his 4.3 expected touchdowns and his just one scoring touchdown it might not score a lot, it but uh, sound like a lot, but it's a, it's a massive discrepancy for running back. If we look at uh, Saquon Barkley last year, who was the, who showed up as the biggest um, discrepancy in terms of of underperforming his scoring expectation, he underperformed by by just a little over two touchdowns. We have Leonard Fournette halfway through the season already underperforming by more than three touchdowns. Uh, so if, if this normalizes a little bit, uh, Fournette's going to start scoring in bunches, and, and you want to get ahead of that before someone else does. 
I mean, it's going to happen. It's, yeah. Every week you should have shares of Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. Just every every week, and it's going to happen. Just don't know when, but it's going to happen. Uh, wide receiver. Here we go. Loved. I love that Mike Williams popped up because he had a touchdown drop last week, and he had another drop in the red zone. I mean, it literally hit him in the hands two times. He should have had. He should have had some big ones, but uh, no touchdowns yet, right? No red zone touchdowns. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't mean to to foreshadow this one when we were talking about stacking the Packers game. I honestly forgot that this was coming up, so uh, that's uh, very <laughs> serendipitous of us. Um, but I, Mike I, Williams... I think it is, too, if I knew what that meant, so keep going. <laughs> but Mike Williams, with a, uh, if we look at all of his, his red zone targets, um, only seven players in the league have more red zone targets than Mike Williams. If we look at where those red zone targets have come from on the field and uh, the, the historical scoring expectations for wide receivers. Mike Williams should have almost three red zone touchdowns. Uh, he scored none. As you mentioned, he's the only wide receiver with at least eight uh, red zone targets. There's 20 of those wide receivers that hasn't scored a red zone touchdown yet. Uh, so, I mean, just, just that alone should tell you that he's underperforming. And then Mike Williams is a player that, he doesn't even need red zone looks to have boom games. He has the fifth highest average depth of target among all players with at least 25 targets. So he gets those downfield looks. Those are great for big boom games. But then when you're combining it with red zone volume, like he's getting, uh, Michael Williams is a guy that should be scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, it's not a surprise that he his touchdown numbers are down from what they were last year because he was one of the guys that scored uh, – about as far above scoring expectation as possible, but right now it's about as far below as possible. So if the needle swings back a little bit, hopefully this week when I'm playing him in a qualifier, then uh, <laughs> then he uh, he's due to have a really big game. All right, last one here. Mr. Disappointing this season. Just get in the end zone. We won't be disappointed anymore. I guess Kelsey did get in the end zone last week, but it still he didn't did. pay off big time. Uh, it, Travis Kelsey, tight end. What's going on with him? Yeah, and that touchdown came from um, outside the red zone, so does not register here in in this model. Uh, but if we look just at Kelsey's red zone looks, um, even bigger discrepancy than than Mike Williams. Travis Kelsey um, expected about three and a half touchdown scoring expectation based on where his targets have come from. He hasn't scored from inside the red zone. He's the only tight end with double digit red zone targets. 38 tight ends have scored a red zone touchdown. None of them have double digit red zone targets. Kelsey's the only one. Um, he leads the league in targets inside the 10 yard line. Um, it's not like he's not getting the work. I, I believe he still leads all tight ends in yardage. Yeah. The only tight end above um, 600 yards. He has found the end zone twice. Both of those from outside the red zone. He's getting the red zone work that we want. He's getting the red zone uh, work that he should get. He's getting the volume that he should get. Travis Kelsey is not busting for your team. He's getting the work. Mahomes is going to be back in no time. Uh, Kelsey has some huge games coming up. That's it, dude. I think we got through it all. It's the longest show we've ever done. I'm pretty sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, James just wouldn't shut up. If, um, if you want uh, a little bit more of, of that red zone explanation, make sure you go check out TJ's takes. Cause we, uh, I, I, I iron all of it out there and, and go a little bit deeper on some other players as well. Yeah. I didn't read TJ's takes last week and I had my second losing week of the season. So that's, that's okay. My no, 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 that's not hurt. okay. Read it. My feelings aren't lose. hurt. It's as simple as that. <laughs> all right. So make sure you sign up uh, midnight before Halloween, get the DFS sub for only 49 bucks. The original price was 149. 
Uh, we got the rate review t-shirt giveaway. Got to leave a five-star review, automatically be entered to win. Josh Moore was making fun of me. I think it was last week because I told him I was uh, trying to pick up the MILFs in my four for four <laughs> red uh, sweatpants and, and uh, sweatsuit, I should say. And uh, he was making fun of me and he wouldn't send me any more swag. He's like, get that done before anything happens. So uh, I don't know why I told that story. Just finish it up, TJ. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while you're leaving that five-star review, make sure you're, make sure you're checking out uh, 444's other two podcasts, uh, Ship Chasing, where we're covering high-stakes fantasy football leagues, and of course, uh, Holden's Daily Fantasy First, where we're covering uh, the day's top fantasy football news in 10 minutes or less. If you want more of us outside of the podcast, you can check us out on Twitter, Holden's at Holden Radio. I'm at TJ Hernandez, and of course, you can always find 444 at 444 Football. Uh, have a safe Halloween. Have a profitable week nine. We'll talk to you guys next week. I guess me if it isn't you. Last week I made a visit to the institute. They got the dropout keeping kids in the school. I guess I clean up my act like Prince of Doom. If not for the pledge, at least for the principal. They got the CD, then got to see me drop gems like I dropped out a PE. They used to feel invisible. Now they know they invincible. Did you read?